What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey. I have Ben Goats, joined on the other line, as always, by my colleague David Chain. Uh, Dave, how jealous are you that the Golden Knights are basking in the Florida sunshine right now and we're not? Well, I don't know. Apparently, uh, they're basking in the Florida rain, and we've got some sunshine here in uh, Vegas. So, I don't know. Maybe we maybe we got lucky that that we're here and they're there. But you know, never a bad bad time in Florida. I don't think it's always fun down there. I'm sure. Yeah, the fact that they seem to get a winter Florida trip most years is just very good job by the night's scheduling guy. Because the last time they went out to Florida, which I went on that trip, I remember it was in February. So the fact that they're there in January, it's, it's just good timing is all I will say. Uh, we will talk about how the night's road trip uh, has gone so far before they got to Florida. We'll kind of discuss uh, where they are now that the season is a little bit more then halfway through, and we'll get to so many other topics here on this edition of the Golden Edge Podcast. But before we do all that, I just want to remind everyone that we are brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal. We are also presented by Blue Wire. Uh, please look up all our written work at reviewjournal.com. We've got some good stories coming out for you guys, especially I'm excited for next week when All-Star Weekend is in town at T-Mobile Arena. We've got some really exciting stuff planned. So I hope you guys... Uh, stay tuned to ReviewJournal.com or just pick up the physical paper because that's the thing that you can do too if you are so inclined. Uh, also, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you did podcast, please do to this one. We would very much appreciate it. All right. Uh, like I said, the Knights are actually playing games in a location that is not T-Mobile Arena again, which is nets. It's wild. I didn't know that was allowed. Uh, they beat the Washington Capitals 1-0 on Monday, lost 4-3 in overtime to the Carolina Hurricanes on Tuesday. And they get the Florida Panthers uh, tonight as we're recording this on Thursday morning and then wrap up with the Tampa Bay Lightning, the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions on Saturday. Uh, we talked about how difficult a trip this was uh, going to be coming off kind of a lackluster homestand, Dave. But uh, two games in, they've got three points, which feels like to me that like they're already like pretty close to uh, playing with house money on the Florida stretch of this trip. Yeah, and I, I was going to say, I think that's probably about, you know, the best way to say it. Like, it's not quite there. You always want to go 500, you know, on a road trip. So, you know, three out of eight, you're you're almost there. Like, you know, you can scratch and claw, try to get a point, you know, out of these next two games and, and feel pretty good about yourself because, you know, they set themselves up you know, to have a good trip with the way that they handled that back-to-back to open up. No, they definitely did. Uh, Robin Leonard, of course, stood on his head against Washington. And then they battled back from, I believe they were down 2 nothing and 3-1, if memory serves correctly, against the Carolina Hurricanes. Fought back, get a point out of that game before losing in overtime on a Sebastian Ajo goal. Um you know, what have you seen from the team on this trip, Dave? Because like I said, it seemed like they were kind of spinning their wheels a little bit at home. It felt like they just kind of, you know, weren't playing necessarily with the, the fire or the jump, especially towards the end of that homestand that maybe we're accustomed to seeing from this team. They won their final game against the Montreal Canadiens. But even so, against a team that I believe entering that game had the fewest points in the National Hockey League, it wasn't like a, you know, 
dominant, impressive performance that the Knights kind of walked out of T-Mobile Arena on this high note. They actually had to go to overtime to beat Montreal. So what have you seen from them these first two games? Is it just a matter of, you know, they needed some kind of fresh air that going on the road provided? Do you think kind of the challenge of like, okay, hey, we're playing Washington and Carolina, two very good teams, obviously two very good teams on deck in Tampa and Florida kind of focus them. Is there something that sticks out to you? Yeah, I think kind of what you mentioned and it's funny. So I was like sitting here and I'm thinking about this. So like two of my favorite things are the way that William Carlson says Colorado um, or like, I can't do it, but he's got this like really cool way of saying Colorado. And I, I, I could listen to him say it all day. And then Jonathan marches so the way he, he pronounces like emphasize. It's or something. It's like it's always kind of funny, and like I love his I love his accent and the way that he'll pronounce some of the words. Um, and he had said that today as we record this, we're we're talking on Thursday, um, a little bit after the morning skate here before the game. And you know, he talked about you know on this trip that there's just been an, an emphasis on defense uh, that they've really just focused on buckling down. And I thought, you know, especially against Washington, you know, really in that first period, but. You know, give them credit throughout the game. Like, look, you're not going to you're not going to hold Washington on, you know, most nights to like, you know, 22 shots or something like that. So, you know, the fact that Leonard had to kick aside 34, you know, OK, but there were not a lot of like really good chances there. I thought for the most part, they did a really good job, you know, limiting what the Capitals were able to produce and, you know, high danger areas and just, you know, the looks that they got. I mean. You know, a couple on the five on three, like, you know, Wilson decided that, but like that, they, they were few and far between. And I thought it was a little harder for them on a back to back against Carolina. You know, it ended up being four goals, but, you know, one of them is an overtime goal. But like, you know, even that for the most part, you know, I thought, I thought they did a, a pretty fair job to pretty decent job, you know, that night as well, just buckling down defensively. And I think we've talked about this, you know, kind of throughout the season. You know, the numbers, the high danger chances that they're giving up, you know, the high danger saves that they're not getting from the goaltender this year, you know, and, and at least so far on this trip, it seems like there there's been an understanding and they've talked about how they know they have to go into these barns and play really well defensively, be really tight on their details. You know, otherwise there's a potential for them to get embarrassed by these teams because, you know, I, I Washington's you know, record is what it is, but a lot of that's overtime and a little bit of a slump. But I mean, you're really looking at, you know, four of the best teams in the East for sure. And and four of maybe the top, you know, seven or eight in the, in the league. Yeah. I think I looked it up heading into this trip. It was four of the top 11 teams in the NHL in terms of points percentage. And I believe Carolina, Florida, and Tampa were two, three, four, which is just uh, insane that you're playing all those teams in a row. On the road. Uh, but, you know, one thing you mentioned there that stuck out to me was, of course, the Knights getting, you know, the high danger uh, saves that they needed because we spent a good portion of last show. And you asked uh, Pete DePore about this of like, hey, has the goaltending been good enough? And obviously the consensus from both of us was that, you know, through kind of halfway through the year, it had not been like at a Stanley Cup winning caliber, even though obviously Robin Leonard has shown in the past, he has a different level than what, for the most part, he's shown this year. And maybe he was listening to us. Maybe he got, you know, on his phone before the game and scrolled through Twitter like he did against the Canadians in the playoffs last year 
because uh, he sure looked like a uh, motivated guy against Washington. He gets his first shutout of the season, 34 saves. Just, I mean, absolutely kind of, at least to me, a, you know, put the team on your back type of performance because the Knights still didn't have Mark Stone in that game. Riley Smith was out with COVID protocols right before. I believe Zach Whitecloud uh, was still out. And Robin Leonard just said, like, I got this one. And, you know, it was kind of a game that I think we had been talking about for a little bit. We just hadn't seen from him yet this year, Dave. And he kind of came up with it at an important time for the night. Yeah. And as you're as you're talking, I'm, I'm like counting up his record. Because one of the things I, I found pretty funny is Robin Leonard has this knack for saying, yeah, I don't look at the stats. I don't know what the numbers are. And then saying, well, I think I'm nine, one and two in my last, you know, 11 or 12 or whatever, you know, it's like, it's funny how he knows exactly what he is. And it's actually, it's like, I'm looking at it and, you know, five, six, seven, eight, it's like eight, two and one, something like that. So he's a little off if I'm, if I'm counting here quickly, but like, yeah, point being is, you know, I think, I think we get caught up in some of the deeper numbers and sometimes it's just it's like it's like a quarterback like you judge him on wins and losses sometimes you know like are you doing enough in that particular game to get your team a win because sometimes it's not always conducive to having a shutout and if anybody knows about that it's robin leonard like playing for ottawa and buffalo the first part of his career like this is only his 17th shutout and he's been in the league i think what 11 years 12 years now um and it, yeah, I mean, like it's it's a fair number, and, and but like you really look at it, he had one good year in terms of shutouts at least with the Islanders. I think it was six. He's not a guy that gets them very often for whatever reason because of the the team in front of him and just because they're hard to get, you know. So I think for him to put one in his back pocket, you know, to probably feel like you know he's starting to come around a little bit here. He's starting to, you know. I don't want to say make up for, but, you know, get back to to maybe some of the numbers that he's used to having in his career and bring some of those things up. I, I know, you know, that's something he's aiming for and, and, you know, is a priority in the second half of the season. You know, there's been little bumps and bruises along the way. Obviously, he got hurt, you know, in that Islanders game mid-December and was out for a little bit of a spell. So, you know, it was six straight starts before... Brossois got the back-to-back. We'll see, you know, as we're talking, who gets the, the start tonight against Florida. I would expect it to be Leonard, you know. But, again, I think more than anything, like you said, the timing of it, you know, was, was one, when the Knights needed it. But, two, I think when when he needed it as well. Not that he wasn't playing well, but it, it, it might be just what kicks him on into, you know, a different, you know, different level maybe for the second half. Yeah, it seems like it definitely has that possibility, and we'll see how he carries it over to the rest of the road trip, but it definitely did feel like a statement kind of game for him. Um, the other uh, player that I think has really stuck out to me or players, I should say that are having kind of a, I don't know if statements, the right word, but a standout road trip so far uh, is the fourth line. And it's kind of been the story of the season for the golden Knights, the depth scoring that they're getting. But um, in these two games, they've scored four goals and three of them have come from uh, a fourth line player. All uh, three of the guys on that line, Brett Howden, Nolan Patrick, Michael Amadio, have a goal. And, uh, you know, defenseman Nick Hag also has one out there with the third line. So it's been a lot of these bottom six guys picking up the slack, which we've kind of seen all year. But obviously the bottom six feels like it's been a rotating 
cast, both with guys going out and then also guys getting moved up the lineup to fill in. But uh, specifically that Howden, uh, Patrick, Amadio trio, Dave, just what have you, you know, seen from them? And, you know, is it, I guess, intriguing to you that as the Knights are getting healthy and maybe some of these guys lineup spots might be more of a question mark than they had been a lot of this year, then all of a sudden their games are seeming to elevate a little bit. Yeah. And I don't know that this is necessarily the time to like start dissecting the Jack Eichel salary cap stuff and getting into like who might be here and who might not. I mean, it's very pertinent and and it obviously relates to this conversation, but you know, I think maybe the focus should be on, you know, those three guys, Howden, Patrick, Amadio and, and what they've done. Like, we we always ask these questions about this stuff and, and the answer we always get is something along the lines of like, you know, as a coach, as management, you want to have a tough decision. You know, you want the players to force your hand, you know, whatever that might be. And and I think one of the things that's most interesting to me is the the Nolan Patrick Brett Howden chemistry that that seems to be there. And that it's there on a fourth line, no less. Like you know, I, I'm not going to do the Bobby Clark stuff and, and like, you know, drag Nolan Patrick through, through the dirt or anything like that. But, you know, he was a number two overall pick. And for him to find a, a home and be comfortable on the fourth line the way that he is right now, I, I mean, it's interesting. The bigger, the bigger topic, like the bigger, broader, maybe, you know, discussion or, or talking point in all of this is the way that that fourth line is constructed versus the way that the Knights have gone about it in the past. And, and I would even go so far as to say that I, that I think Pete DeBoer maybe even prefers to have for a fourth line. Like, let's look at who these guys are. Like, Brett Howden, for all of what, like he was a first-round pick. Nolan Patrick, like I just mentioned, was a second overall pick. And Amadio, I think, was like a third-round pick, if, if I remember right when I looked this up the other night. You know, like, who has a fourth line with two first-round picks and a third-round pick on it? You know, and then you saw the skill that that can come out when a guy like Nolan Patrick gets the puck and has a little confidence and decides to try something. You know, he puts it between his leg and he scores a back angle. And all of a sudden it jump starts a team and you know, instead of two nothing going into the third period, you're down two one. You feel like you have a chance, and then you're able to steal a point. So it's just yeah, it's it's so interesting to contrast like you know, the meat grinders and Ryan Rees and, and William Carrier going out there and physically establishing a presence to having a fourth line now that's, that's you know, more of a skilled, you know, type of unit and, and using it that way. Team announcements powered by the Review Journal at NevadaPreps.com. Nevada Preps is sponsored by College Prospects of America, connecting student athletes with academic and athletic opportunities. Find out how at CPOA-Nevada.com. Yeah, no, it's been definitely interesting. And like the production kind of stands out where it's yeah, it's three goals from those guys in the last two games. Patrick has four points in his last six games, all coming on the fourth line. And as you mentioned, even Michael Amadio, who's kind of got the, you know, I guess, quote unquote, like lowest draft pedigree out of those three guys. He's a third round pick. Uh, the number one thing you would say, like, OK, what's at the top of Michael Amadio's scouting report would be always oh, got this like wicked one timer. You know, he can really hammer the puck when he gets it in his sweet spot where, like you said, that's different than what, 
you know, Ryan Reeves and William Carrier, the top thing I think on both of their scouting reports would probably be like physical. You know, maybe Carrier gets the speed thrown in there, but it would be speedy, comma, physical guy. It would be, I think, kind of related. I mean, those two guys, Carrier and Reeves, were always top of the league, you know, both in hits and hits per minute. And as you said, this is just kind of a different kind of a fourth line where Nolan Patrick, I know Pete DeVore used the phrase, you know, that's going to be on the highlights of the night with the way that he put the puck between his legs on his forehand and scored on his backhand. I don't know the last time that we would have said, hey, this Golden Knights fourth line goal is going to be played, you know, a potential, you know, Sports Center top 10. Now the NHL is on ESPN and they can be on a Sports Center top 10 again. Yeah, I mean, I always just think about that night that Ryan Reeves got that rush of blood to his head and launched it 200 feet over an empty net, and like hit the netting, you know, over the glass. Like, you know, like that to me is a fourth liner. And and I guess, you know, not to like dig on him too much, but I do think, and, and I, I said I, I didn't want to talk about it, but, you know, it is probably fair to think about like, well, William Carrier right now is bumped up in the lineup because there's some COVID stuff you know, some injury stuff, some guys, you know, whatever. Like when Max Pacioretty comes back, when Riley Smith is out of COVID protocol, it'll be interesting to see what Pete DeBoer does. And if he feels as strongly about the third line, you know, Yanmark, Waugh, Kolasar, as he did, you know, a week or two ago and really wanting to keep them together. And, And whether he feels the same way about this fourth line group and Howden, Patrick, Amadi, and whether they've just sort of played their way together. And and if that's the case, you know, what does that do to somebody like William Carrier? Does that make him, you know, more expendable here as we see, you know, Jack Eichel come in a baby blue jersey? You know, apparently that means light contact. And, you know, again, that doesn't mean that he's close to being cleared for full contact. We, we you know, haven't seen anything to – you know, veer us off the timetable that the Knights have sort of indicated, you know, not three months, you know, later on, a couple weeks, you know, start of March, something like that. But you start to look at these puzzle pieces a little bit differently based on, you know, the way that the group, as Pete DeBoer likes to say, say is is sort of, you know, manifesting itself and sort of developing. And, and that's what happens over a season. Things sometimes happen organically. And if you get something that works, you know, maybe you're a little more reluctant to tinker with it. And maybe maybe the Knights would be more, you know, inclined to ride somebody, you know, like like Howden Patrick Amadi on a fourth line and, and you know, look elsewhere to solve some problems and, and move some money out. Maybe. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how they kind of uh, approach this. And I guess, you know, there's a chance if Patch already plays tonight. Once again, we're recording on Thursday morning before the Panthers game. Maybe that gives us a first indication about what they could be looking at. Bradley Smith obviously has to be in COVID protocol a minimum of five days, so it'll be tricky. He would be cutting it pretty close if he is ultimately gets to play at the end of this trip in Tampa Bay. Otherwise, he'll come back uh, probably the night's final game for the All-Star break, which is home against Buffalo. Um, yeah, it's been uh, really interesting to see the roster puzzle for this team continue to unfold because uh, as we've kind of already come through in this podcast, just on this trip alone, we've seen uh Brassois come back, White Cloud come back, Stone get out of COVID protocol, 
Um, you know, like I said, we don't know if back to Pacioretty or Alec Martinez are going to play tonight, but Pete DeBoer said before this trip that there is a chance that both were going to play this trip. He also said, you know, they had a full group at morning skate today, which at least indicates that they might be an option, those two guys. And uh, once Pacioretty and Martinez come back, uh, all you've got left kind of on the mend uh, is Smith and Code Protocol, like I mentioned, who could come back. Um, you know, I like I said, I think I'd have to do the math quickly in my head, which I'm not prepared to do, but I think there's at least a possibility comes back Saturday, if not comes back before the All-Star break. Then you've got Jack Eichel, who's obviously coming back um, from his neck surgery. Uh, you never want to say anything, you know, with this team when it comes to the status of guys, because each time we've approached this topic, uh, it seems like the next day, there's just a bunch more stuff that gets piled on. But it does seem like they're trending toward All-Star Weekend in a pretty good place, or they're at least on pace to be a pretty good in a pretty good place by the time they kind of take that break. Yeah, and I think I I was sort of zoned out for a second. I don't know if you threw Nick Hague's name in there as well. Oh, I didn't. Yes, Nick Hague right. also came back. Right, so he he's in there, and and yeah, I mean, I think you know you definitely feel much better if you're a Knights fan, you know, with with where they are, the fact that Patchetti's been practicing. The fact that, you know, Martinez has been out there and, and you know, re- reintegrated with the group to use the, the Pete DeBoer phrase. And, you know, if we go off of, you know, what Pete DeBoer said today, um, I'm trying to find it here just so I can get the, uh, the exact quote. Our health is heading in the right direction. And I think that that probably sums it up, you know, best for the Knights right now that, you know, if guys aren't back, they're on the horizon, you know, somebody like Riley Smith, you know, you hope, you know, that, that he's okay, that he's not, you know, going through major symptoms or anything like that, you know, with this COVID, um, you know, you would expect him to be able to return. There's a chance, you know, he could go through like what Matisse Yamark went through where there's long-term effects and, you know, some long haul, you know, symptoms, possibly things like that. But, but yeah, I, I think, you know, if you're the Knights, you, you start to look at the lineup and that roster and you go, oh, okay, you know, these are the familiar names. These are the guys that were, you know, we were penciling in in like August and September, you know, in training camp when when all this is getting started. And it's been a long time, you know, I think since we could say that. And now we got to go back and do the salary cap math and figure out what they have to do to get, you know, some of these guys into the lineup when they're healthy and ready to go. But yeah, I definitely think if you're the Knights, you're Kelly McCrimmon and Pete DeBoer and all of that, you know, you're never on the end of it with the COVID stuff, I think, right now, but you probably feel much better about, okay, you know, we've got 40 games here or whatever, and we're gonna start to get everybody back. That that's that's enough time. That's you know, that's about right to, you know, get on a run and make a playoff push. Yeah, we'll see what ends up happening because the Knights, uh, as I mentioned earlier, are like Kind of at the halfway point here. They are 43 games of the way through their 82-game season. Uh, we talked about goaltending, as I mentioned last week, and Robin Leonard, uh, you know, potentially used that as motivation, kind of stick it to us a little bit there with a great performance. Um, but, Dave, what else, you know, now that we are at the, you know, a little bit past the halfway point with this team this year, um, what else stands to you kind of either positive or negative, you know, as we're getting – to the halfway point and close to a, another break for this team. It feels like they get one every two weeks, but they're close to another 
All-Star break. What is jumping off to you about what we've seen from this team so far? Well, I mean, it's a little reductive in terms of like, I'm just going to kind of throw out some very basic stats here um, in terms of just kind of goals for goals against like stuff like that. But, you know, the Knights right now goals for is 3.40, which is tied for seventh in the league. And, and I'm bringing that up as a positive, you know, again, for a team that's like, you know, in, in the playoffs, it's different, but, you know, had trouble maybe scoring, you know, in zone setup. You know, to use a basketball analogy, like scoring out of a half court offense, like they haven't always done that really well. They've they've needed to kind of, you know, get into run and gun games a little bit against, you know, maybe teams that they can outmatch. You know, and those those tend to be the games that you see like four one, five two, like, you know, where where they're hanging big numbers. But they've been pretty consistent offensively this year, despite the fact that Max Pacioretty's missed, you know. The majority of this, you know, the first half, Mark Stone missed, you know, a month. They've had key guys in and out of the lineup. William Carlson was out a month. Um, like they found offense from different sources at the right time. I've all, I always think that's a really good sign of a good team. You know, I, I don't know that you can rely on that entirely for 82 games, but you know, when you can lean on it, when you know it's there, uh, it makes a huge difference just, you know, being on the bench, you know, and, and feeling like you're in every game, you know, even though you're down two nothing, three one, three nothing, like whatever it is, you never feel out of it because you know you can score goals, even when your big guys aren't aren't in the lineup. And and I think, you know, it's a very simple, like I said, almost reductive sort of thing for me to point out, but I, I think it's important. I, I they could have completely bombed out. Like they were talking about having to win games 2-1, 2-0. Like what, when they beat Washington on Monday, that was the first time they won a game scoring fewer than three goals. So like they haven't won those games that they talked about having to win. They've scored. And, and I think that's one thing, you know, especially just, just team-wide that, that's really stood out. You know, negatively, I mean, I guess the flip side to that is, is all the injuries and what have you have – you know, made this team a little leakier defensively. And and again, we've we've sort of beat that horse to death a little bit. And I don't necessarily, you know, feel like I have to start throwing numbers and like go through it all again. But I don't think it's very sustainable. And I don't think it's going to be sustainable when they run into good teams. You know, even a team like if they bump into Calgary, you know, in the playoffs and you're playing a Daryl Sutter team, you know that's going to be a grind. You, you know what that series is going to be like, you know, you know, you're going to have to be tight defensively because playing down one, nothing against that team is going to be different than playing down one, nothing against almost any other team. And then same thing, if they get through that, you know, you're going to run into probably Colorado, you know, where the way things are going, like Minnesota, St. Louis, like there's some really good teams and I don't think they can get into a playoff series and continue to give up, you know, the high danger chances that, they've given up in quantity and and not get a t- uptick in goaltending with that and and be able to survive that. So, you know, again, I know it's very simple like oh, goals against, goals for, but you know, th- when I really look at this sort of from a from a, you know, 1000 foot view and and take a wider lens with it, you know, those are those are two of the things that that really have jumped out 
you know, positive and negative so far. Yeah, it's funny because the the goals of war thing is actually what jumped out to me too. And I think obviously it's a credit to the guys that have stuck in the lineup. I think it's a credit to Pete DeBoer and the coaching staff that they've found ways to be productive and keep winning games despite missing kind of their quote-unquote big guns for a lot of this season. I mean, you think about obviously Max Pacioretty was, you know, on an absolute tear when he was in the lineup, but he's been in the lineup for less than half of the night's games so far. Uh, Mark Stone has missed a ton of games so far. I mean, you go through the entire top six, obviously has missed um, games. Chandler Stevenson only missed one, but still. And then for the most part, hasn't mattered. And I think kind of that ability to overcome adversity that way is a positive for this team. I think the ability to kind of, you know, adapt and adjust depending on who's in and who's out is a positive. The ability to come back within games and kind of stick with that. Uh, is impressive so far for this team. Um, but obviously with all the injuries, as you kind of mentioned, there does still feel like a part of this team that I, I don't know what another way to phrase besides like incomplete. And part of that, of course, is the, the Eichel situation that you've, we've mentioned obviously before on this podcast. And, you know, obviously, like I said, we don't need to do a deep dive on it right now, but that is kind of hanging over this entire picture of like, you know, this team hasn't necessarily had a good long run of like to see what it looks like when all the pieces are together. And there's a good chance that by the time, you know, all these pieces might be ready to fit together because we're talking about, you know, a lot of these guys might get back healthy. They're not going to get a long leash anyway, because then maybe Eichel's ready to come back and that affects the salary cap and they have to make adjustments from there. So that's the one um, thing for me that kind of sticks out is, like I said, not even necessarily a super negative so far. Like it's not disqualifying this team from any of its goals, but it does feel like this is a team that's still grappling with its identity halfway through the year. And I don't know exactly when is going to have time to find it, except for later on in the year when you get Eichel and you kind of figure out what this picture is going to look like with him. In it. Yeah. You know, and that's a really good point because it's almost like, okay, you know, you, you envision a situation where, you know, maybe right after that all-star break, they're, they're healthy, you know, and, and, and they have a full strength lineup and maybe there's a stretch there where they say, okay. And they start to, you know, come together and, and say, all right, this is our group. This is, you know, the lines, these are things that work. And then all of a sudden, like you said, they're going to, they're going to drop this whole big piece into it. And then have to kind of readjust and then get used to sort of what that new group, you know, is going to look like, what those lines are going to look like, you know, chemistry, who's going to rely on, you know, who just just all those sorts of things. It's a whole different dynamic that like once they settle into this season, it's going to change again. And so it'll be it'll be fascinating for me to see whether they can, you know, turn that into a positive or whether that actually is you know, sort of the, the bad reactant in the, you know, in the, in the mix, I guess you can say, I'm trying to come up with like a chemistry, you know, analogy or something. And I'm struggling to do it because I was terrible at chemistry, but same. Yeah. It's, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a very interesting point that you bring up because you're almost going to like, okay, you, you know, you're going to see the Knights, like the Knights are going to get to full strength. And then, then they're going to be completely different for like the last X amount of games because Jack Eichel is going to be in there. So they're going to have to figure it out quick and they're going to have to figure it out before the playoffs because I don't think you want to try, 
you know, to figure out what you have going into the postseason. You you need to already know at that point. No, I totally agree. And obviously there's a good chance that, you know, whenever Eichel debuts, they will have plenty of time to kind of figure themselves out before the postseason. We'll have to see when he's ready to take the ice. Uh, but for now, that's going to do it for this edition of the Golden Edge podcast. As a reminder, we are brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal. Please check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com and in the print edition of the paper. Like I said, stay tuned because I think we're going to have some pretty cool print stuff coming up here with All-Star Weekend coming to town. We are also presented by Blue Wire. And if you could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do podcast, please do to this one. We would very much appreciate it. I'm Ben Goats. He's David Shane. We are the Golden Edge Podcast. We'll talk to you guys again real soon. All the Nevada Preps high school sports coverage you need, plus all Southern Nevada team announcements powered by the Review Journal at NevadaPreps.com. Nevada Preps is sponsored by College Prospects of America, connecting student-athletes with academic and athletic opportunities. Find out how at CPOA-Nevada.com.